What's up, coaches? Welcome to the first installment of Keep Your Pads Down, the Beach Sessions. That's right. We're on vacation for the next couple of weeks in Alabama and Florida. And today we are coming to you straight from Orange Beach, Alabama. That's right. No days off when it comes to making a podcast. You know what I got to tell you? The closet in this condo, not a bad place to record. Anyway, on today's episode, we welcome an East State defensive line coach, Ben Olson. Coach Olson grew up in Chicago where he played football at Illinois Powerhouse Morris High School. And then he played defensive line at Eastern Illinois before beginning his coaching career as a video coordinator for head coach Dino Babers there at Eastern Illinois. From there, Coach Olson moved on to Rose Holman, where he served as linebackers coach and JV defensive coordinator for the engineers. And then Coach Olson reunited with Coach Babers at Bowling Green, where he served as D-line GA. When Coach Babers moved on to become the head coach at Syracuse, Coach Olson followed him once again and served as D-line GA for the Orange as well. Coach Olson then spent a season at Colgate before moving on to Yale University for the 2018 season. And then, this past winter, Coach Olson joined the head coach Sterling Gilbert in Lake Charles, Louisiana as the D-line coach for the Cowboys there at McNeese State. Today, Coach Olson and I talk about a little bit of everything when it comes to defensive line play, including Coach Olson's snap, strike, stab, squeeze, coaching progression for block destruction, escaping blocks, and pass rush technique for interior D-linemen. Coach Olson has a ton of great knowledge to share with us today, so coaches, let's put out the beach vibes, minus the SPF 50 and the annoying kid that keeps kicking sand in your drink. Sit back and relax and enjoy today's episode of KYPD, The Beach Session. Coach Olson, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited because not only are you coming to us from a great program at McNeese State, but you are the first Northerner we've had on and definitely the first coach with Ivy League coaching experience. So I got to tell you, I'm feeling smarter already. I appreciate it, Coach. You know, I'm fired up about this. I was really excited to see that there's a podcast for Eli Plug. So, you know, we need, we need, we need more of it. Yeah, you're, yeah. well, that, that was sort of the, um, the idea behind it, uh, selfishly. You know, you go to clinics and you just sort of hope to catch a D-line guy and and, and you kind of go through a whole weekend of, of maybe listening to one or two speakers that really pertain to, you know, saying things that, you, that really pertain to things that you're doing. And so uh, this was just a way to, to bring on people that, that I wanted to bring on. And I get to ask the question so it works out. There you uh, go. That's awesome. That's well, awesome. well, Coach, I know you just got on campus a few months ago there at McNeese. But before we talk about that, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, Coach, I'm from, uh, like you said, I'm from up north, so I'm from I'm from the state of Illinois. I grew up in Morris, Illinois, so I mean, people know where Morris, Illinois is, but uh, it's about, if you, if you leave uh, southwest out of Chicago, uh, as soon as you get to Cornfields, that's Morris. Okay. So it's uh, it's, up, it's up that area, you know, where, you know, I know, I know me and you talked about before, you know, it's a great, great, rich tradition there with their football program. You know, we, we've. I, I believe the number is that we, we've been to the most state championships of any public school in, in Illinois history. Wow. So, you know, obviously it's, it's kind of, it comes from a great program. You know, from there I went and played at Eastern Illinois University. Uh, really only was able to play one year there. Um, I got medically disqualified uh, after, right after my freshman season. So from that, that really led me into kind of being the student assistant. I really started off as a filmer at Eastern Illinois. You know, you had to kind of make your way way through it. So I started off as a filmer, 
um, kind of became the video coordinator while I was still a student, and then kind of really became getting some more GA duties while mm-hmm. I was there. So that's kind of really the beginning of of where, what I did. Yeah. Um, as far as starting in college and all that, you know. Yeah. You know. Well, was was coaching something you always wanted to do, and you just had to, you just had an opportunity to start it a little bit sooner, or was that something that 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 came to you once you once the game was taken away from you? You know, I always, you know, when I first start, when I first got to college, I wanted to be a history teacher, and I wanted to do driver's ed and be a high school coach. You know, that's that was my first dream, and kind of as I got going with the, the coaching staff at Eastern Illinois, once I got hurt. Um, you know, I had a great staff there. Um, they really allowed me to do a lot because there's no GAs there. So I was able to really take a real hands-on approach. And that really was what sparked me to become more of a college coach. Who were some of your early influences that, that sort of pushed you or nudged you in the direction of coaching? You know, I mean, my, my very first influence is my dad. You know, you know, I was lucky to have a dad that, you know, growing up, he, he was my little league coach. He was always there, you know, supporting us. You know, my dad's a hard-working blue-collar guy. He works 12-hour shifts still to this day, you know, sun up to sundown, sundown to sun up. So, you know, just seeing him out there with me as a kid, you know, that's that's a guy I idolize. And, you know, that's really what first got me into, I want to be like him. But then once once I got to EIU, you know, like I say, you know, my, my, my career got cut short, um, you know, the late Bob Spool, he just passed away this last year. He was at EIU for 25 years. I mean, I talk about an unbelievable person, but he allowed me to really take a real hands-on approach. There's no GAs at East Illinois at a level like that. Um, him, the defensive coordinator, Rock Bellantoni, who's up at Washington State right now as a linebacker coach. You know, he, both those guys allowed me to really show me the ropes, more or less, to yeah. how to become a college coach. Yeah. And that's really where I became the you know, really think about college coaching. And then luckily at EIU as well, you know, that's where I was kind of able to connect with Dino Babers and, and just him and his staff that he brought in there. Dino Babers, his first staff there, actually our offensive coordinator was Sterling Gilbert. Oh, wow. So that's where I that's where I first got hooked up with Coach Gilbert, who obviously is our head coach here at McNeese State. Right. Um, so I've known him for, shoot, it's been seven years now. And, you know, obviously Sterling's had a huge influence on my life. I mean, he got a northern guy to come all the way down to the south. So, yeah, kind of, yeah. Kind of tell you the kind of persuasion he has in him. But, uh, no, it's, I mean, just those those couple staffs that we had at EIU there, I mean, those are, those are really my big influences that I've had in my career. So, from Eastern Illinois, where was your next stop? So, from Eastern Illinois, I went to Rose Holman, a D3 school over in Terre Haute, Indiana. The fighting engineers, is that right? Yeah, the, yeah, the fighting engineers, coach. It's uh, and it's uh, it was fun. I mean, it was a fun first year, coach. I started, I started coaching there. I started coaching the linebackers there before I finished college. So it was, it was about thirty minutes away. So I commuted every day for thirty minutes for that first spring while I was finishing up school to graduate college. Um, the head coach there, Jeff Snokel, awesome guy. He's still there. You know, luckily when we were there, uh, the first year we won the first conference championship that schools had in 28 years. Oh wow! So it was pretty cool. You know, um, you know, learn you know D3 football. I mean, you talk about you talk about guys that can't have an ego. You know, I mean, as a coaching staff, as as players, I mean, you don't make no money there. Right. So uh, I joke with those kids all the time, though. I mean, they're making more money than I am now. So <laughs> shoot, I guess they got the last laugh. That's right. That's right. They're. Uh, 
I mean, talk about unbelievable group. I mean, to, to, to have the first championship in 28 years, you know, kids just worked hard every day and just loved what they did. So it was, a, it was a great experience there. From there, I went to from there I went to Bowling Green. So that's where Coach Babers got the head job at Bowling Green, and I went there as a P-line GA. Um, we got there before we got there. They won the they won the conference the MAP championship the year before. So obviously there was a lot there's a lot of pressure when we got there, and just a lot of expectations. Um, that first year, you know, we the first game that first year 2014, we lost our starting quarterback and our best player on defense that first game. So the tough wow. blow, actually, yeah. the, the defensive player I'm talking about is actually my assistant D-line coach here right now, Zach Colvin. Unbelievable young coach, D-line coach. Uh, played the league, had a sniff in the league with the Rams, but just a great, great young coach. But anyways, I mean, that year we lost him and our starting quarterback, Matt Johnson, first game. And then to be able to, a couple games later, beat Indiana, a Big Ten team, win the division, win a bowl game. I mean, it kind of said a lot about the kids. You know, they just never gave up. You know, right. they took some bumps, but they just kept responding. And that's, you know, learned a lot about about that team that year. The next year we came back in 2015. I mean, we had a damn good team. You know, most of 2014 was bad. We had, we had Zach and Matt back, Tad add to it, and really ran the table. We beat two Big Ten teams that year. And it's kind of just uh, one of the – I mean, the, the best thing about those those three teams right there and even, even that last year at EIU, that 2012 team that won the OVC championship, I mean, they're, they're just talking about kids that came to work every day. Kids that, you know, we talk about talk about being a, a player-led team and a coach-fed team, you know, not a coach-led team. And that's what those kids were. I mean, that's, that's when, you know, you got it, you got it good. When, when you, don't have to, you don't have to bring the energy and get the guys going every time. You step out on the field for practice, and those guys are just ready to go. Right. So. That's not that's not what those those teams had in common. Uh, from there, you know, I went to coach with Coach Babers in Syracuse in twenty sixteen. Uh, you know, his first season there started a lot of freshman coach. We had three true freshmen starting on the defensive line in the wow. ACC. Wow. And a and a sophomore. <laughs> so it was, it was a good experience. You know, you got to see those three all, all those all those kids, you know, have a lot of successes last year. We saw them grow up there, juniors and seniors this last year, winning ten games. You know, taking a lot of top programs to the ropes. So it was awesome. You know, the D line coach there, Vince Reynolds, is a is an awesome guy. You know, great coach. Um, and you know, like I said, I mean, it was great to see them have that success this last year. Tell us a little bit about Coach Babers. Yeah, Coach Coach Babers is the ultimate players coach. I mean, he 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 knows his players and he knows what they need. Yeah. I mean, like you you hear people say players coach as far as. You know, he's a great guy. He hangs out with the players. You know, that's my deal. I mean, he's a guy that knows what his players need. Like, in during camp, he might know that they need a, an hour-long practice instead of a two-and-a-half-hour-long practice. You know, he might know they need a day here instead of, instead of going hard, that type of stuff. They might need to go harder here compared to not going harder. Right. You know, that's, right. that's the type of coach he is. He has a great feel for his program and his kids. And I think it's because he's done a great job of getting to know his kids, you know. <laughs> he's a great, great, great human being, you know. And he, he's a, he's not just a great player's coach, he's a great coach's coach. And that's kind of a lot of the same things that, that Coach Gilbert, you know, has. So that's that's one of the things, you know, you really see Coach Gilbert, you know, since we've been here, you know, he's been a great player's coach and a great coach's coach. So after Syracuse with Coach Babers, then where'd you go? Oh, from from there I went to Colgate. So Colgate was my first full time job. Uh, Colgate, 
is in the Patriot League. Um, that year, we won the Patriot League championship. It was awesome. Uh, Dan Hunt is the head coach there. Unbelievable guy. Talk about just one of the greatest human beings you'll ever meet. It, that that team, that program at Colgate is something special. I know they had a great year this year, too. They had one of the best. They, I'm, coach, I don't think they gave up a touchdown in like three games this year. Wow. But just talk about some hard-nosed, tough kids. I mean, that's what those kids at Colgate are. And it was a lot of fun. It was, I'm really happy I was able to spend a year there with Coach Coach Hunt and that staff. From there, I went to Yale University last year, which is obviously where I was at before I came down to McNeese. And great experience. My brother's actually the, the DFO up there. So to be able to spend a year with him, you know, it was really cool. Uh, Tony Arino, the head coach there, was a great coach. Learned a lot from him and his staff. You know, Jordan Stevens, the linebacker coach there, is also the D-line coach, and Sean McGowan, the defensive coordinator. I mean, it was, it was a great experience, Coach. You know, I mean, talk about a lot of history. Right, right. Uh, it was, you know, we got to play. You know, we beat Maine. We actually, Maine went on to, to play in the semifinals, and then we played. We actually played at Fenway Park. Oh, wow. So that was a really cool experience, you know. And then that kind of led me from there, you know, that's – and this past February is when I came down and joined Coach Gilbert. You know, it was just too good of an opportunity to turn up, turn turn down with Coach Gilbert. Right. You know, I mean, knowing him for so long, I always knew. And when Sterling Gilbert got a head job, I wanted to be a part of that first step because I just I, I've known him for so long, and just the way he, the way he cares about players, how 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 great of a guy he is, is is just second to none, really. And you talk, we talk about really a coach that gets it. I mean, as far as not, you know, he's not, you're not a guy, he's not a guy that's going to micromanage everything you do. You know, he, he's a guy that's going to, he expects you to get stuff done. That's, I mean, he's just an unbelievable person. So that's kind of what led me to where I'm at now, Coach McNeese. I know it's been a long road, shoot. Been in six states now, and I'm not even 30 years old yet. So. Yeah, Coach, I mean, that that is, <laughs> you're, you're truly living that that life of, of globe trotting across the nation. Uh, going to these different schools, but it sounds like you've been extremely fortunate to be a part of some awesome programs and awesome staffs. And and one thing that I heard you say over and over about all these different programs that you went to is that the kids were, were hard-nosed, uh, physical, tough kids. Tell me, where did all that come from? What's been the common denominator that, that has been able to bring that out in those kids and all those places you've been? What is it that the head coach has done or those staffs have done to get that out of those kids at all those different programs? Coach, I think I think a lot of it has to do with just, I mean, trust, you know. You look at Dino Babers. I was with Dino Babers for a long time, you know, and him and him and Coach Gilbert, and it's trust. I mean, if a kid trusts you as a player, he's going to do anything for you. I mean, as long as he's playing with confidence he's, and all that, he's going he's gonna to do anything for you. And I believe that's that's really the biggest thing is trust. Trust that, trust that you're – as a coach doing your job to put him in the best position. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the types of kids you you recruit, you know, a lot of, you know, coach Baber's done a great job, you know, the, the, the staff at Yale, the staff at Colgate, the staff at Rose Holman, they've all done a great job of, you know, doing their homework on kids, you know, finding those right kids that fit that tough mentality mindset. I think it's interesting that when I that that the word that the first word that you said was trust. It wasn't you didn't mention anything about well we do tackle circuits every day or we are we are physical in every period of practice anything like that. I think that it was interest that's interesting that 
when I ask about how do you make those kids or what's the common denominator to, to having kids who are hard nosed and, and fight for you is, is the word trust. And I think sometimes that's an aspect that is overlooked and, and really, especially with today's athlete, that that trust has to be there uh, in order for those kids to empty the tank for you. And so I think you nailed it there that, that yeah, once you have that trust and those kids will give you everything they got. Yeah, there's no question, Coach. And I mean, Coach, like, I know we'll get into some X's and O's and scheme and technique, but like, like everybody says, you know, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, right? Right. I mean, as long as your players believe in what you're saying, they're gonna they're gonna play hard and they're gonna play confidently for you. Right. So I mean, I mean, that's at the end of the day, you gotta earn that trust of of any of the kids that you play for. It don't matter. It don't matter if he's the starter or if he's the the walk on that sound balance counts with. I mean, you got you got to build that trust with all your kids. So, in in your first year, your your first semester on campus there at McNeese, what's been the message to your team from your staff? You know, the number one thing's been lost familiar. You know, we say it all the time: be a family. You know, Coach Gilbert says it all the time: why not? Why not be the closest team to ever come through McNeese? Why why not us? And and we give first first week we were here, we got we gave the guys bracelets. And it says, it says, La Familia, go to class, discipline, accountability. So when when they don't know what to do, we always, and Coach Gilbert and the staff always tells them, go to the bands. You know, and it's all it's all about who you with, what are you doing, where are you at. Right. So who are you with, what are you doing, where are you at. And that's something, and something that, something about Coach Gilbert, which I've loved that he's done since we got here. You know how coaches like have core values, right? And they and they and they say it like the first they say it like beginning of preseason camp, they don't hear them again, right? Yeah. Because we, we talk about our core values once a week, and we, we we meet we meet as a team. And coach, it only takes about five ten minutes, right? But to remind these guys, and we're trying to we're trying to change the culture when we got here, and and these kids are hungry. That's the other thing. I mean, I mean the Magnese the Magnese football team when we got here. These kids are hungry. They they wanted they wanted this discipline, this accountability, and some knowledge. And it's it's been awesome. They've really they've really gravitated a lot towards us. That's awesome. And I and I think that that you have uh, uh, as a coach. I'm a quote I'm a quote a coach that was on this podcast earlier. Uh, but it's it's a relentless pursuit of your values. Uh, you you constantly have to 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 preach that and to. Uh, reinforce that otherwise it just becomes something that you put on a on a, on a poster or on a on a, a graphic in your hallway or whatever and it really loses its meaning you know for those of us even uh, us high school coaches who are trying to instill that culture it's got to be something that we talk about daily and weekly and that we're we're constantly reinforcing that with our players you know, 100 percent, coach like coach coach Gilbert tells them all the time i can't i can't guarantee you playing time can't guarantee you touchdowns can't guarantee you sacks but can guarantee you graduation. So that's, right. that's kind of the one thing, you know. I mean, we, we, we talked about it as a – we talk about it all the time. You know, we have, we have 23 kids that are going to graduate for the first time with their families. Wow. And, and that's kind of I – mean, you talk about getting into coaching. That's why you get into coaching. Right. You have, you have 23 guys that are going to be the first time in their families walking across that stage. Yeah. I mean, that far. I mean, as a coach, those kids wouldn't have that opportunity. Right. Football. Right. I mean, that's why, that's why you get into that. For sure. I got to believe that coming from, you know, Colgate and then Yale and then the McNeese State and Lake Charles, Louisiana, there's got to be a little <laughs> bit of a culture shock there. 
the food was different. The way people talked was oh, different. Yeah. <laughs> Recruiting was different. So talk a bit about the differences there from coaching up in the north and now coming down and you're in the Southland Conference there in Louisiana at McNeese. Oh, yeah, Coach. Like you said, it was, uh, I mean, I've been here for four months now, so I don't think my accent's changed too much. So I haven't got that Cajun accent yet. Yeah, not yet. But, not uh, yet. Give it a little yeah. bit of time. You'll be, you'll be like Ed Orgeron by, by next fall. Yeah. <laughs> my girlfriend likes to give me a hard time saying I say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am all the time now. But, uh, no, it's been great. You know, I'm from, like I said earlier, I was from, I'm from a town, Warsaw, Illinois, where football's everything there. You know, it's you think about you think about Illinois, you don't think about high school football too much. And I mean the closest thing to the south, you know, these high schools down here up north is probably Morris High School. So I think that really helped me a lot coming from a program like that. Right. Um I mean I mean you talk about football down here though, I mean football is a religion down here. I mean it's it's awesome. I love it. The support that we get here at McNeese, the fan base has been amazing. So obviously that that's made the transition simple you know obviously anywhere i've been going right now they know i'm not from around here <laughs> so and you know i'm a big guy so they all know i probably have something to do with the new coaching staff right so they've all been very welcoming down here it's been it's been a very easy transition but also i mean our staff down here you know coach gilbert's from he grew up in west texas played at angelo state oh yeah you know he was the head football coach at temple um was at ut for a little bit i mean he's been he's been us you know he grew up down in the south, right? You know, we got you know our defense coordinator Jim Gush um, was a was a long time guy at SMU Baylor, so he's got a lot of history and a lot of connections down here. Brody Trahan, our linebacker coach, Lanier Sampson, Jeff Leepak, our wide receiver coaches—they're all from the south. So you know, having those connections really help. You know, actually, we just finished up a a deal with a bunch of boosters tonight and. And, and Coach Coach Gilbert kind of hit on it there, and it really hit home with me. You know, I mean, McNeese is special. I mean, McNeese McNeese was special before we got here. McNeese is going to be a special place after we leave. So, I mean, to come to a place like that, I mean, you can't do nothing but be excited, right, you know, Coach? But right. like I said, we're excited to be down here. And just, I mean, think about it. I was thinking about this the other day too when I was out on the road recruiting. You know, we 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 legitimately recruit. Uh, stay and a half coach. We recruit Louisiana and barely east of 35 in Texas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you can do that, I, mean, I think that speaks volumes of the talent down here. Of course. Just, I love it. It's been great so far. It's been great. So on the road, uh, as you're making all these recruiting stops, and I know you you recruit uh, East Texas, uh, south of, of I-20, I think is what you told me, but uh, in and out of Louisiana, I gotta ask you this: What's what's your um, favorite Louisiana or Cajun dish? What you got? Oh, favorite Cajun dish! I like crawfish right now, Coach. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Good. Crawfish is fed. Okay. They both, okay. They both been good. Or you can't go to our strip pole boys, Coach. I can name a lot. That's there why, you go. That's why, I, that's why I've been in the weight the weight room hard this last. Yeah. Year. Yeah. <laughs> those last those last couple months been taking its toll on me. Oh yeah. Yeah. So well, yeah. No, I mean you can't. I mean, shoot, don't have Cajun food is no joke. And All I'm right. From, right. I'm from I'm from Illinois, where everything's deep dish pizzas. I lived in New Haven, Connecticut, where everything is is pizza as well. So it's kind of a nice little change up to come down here, where it's a little different, a little different type of food you can you can eat. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, let's let's jump into some football. So 
so you, you mentioned the, the pride and tradition and legacy there at McNeese. You know, they won a, won a Southland Conference in, in a championship in 2015, and it's one of those programs that year after year are competing for SLC championships uh, and, and, and even national championships. So talk to me about your, your defensive front. You know, you get there this, this, uh, you get there this winter and you're, you're evaluating your guys. Uh, what, what defensive front are, are, are y'all rolling with going forward? Yeah, Coach, you know, we're, we're a four-down front. We guys have a four-down front. We get some over, some under. But we can also get some three-down where we'll bring in a linebacker for a D-lineman. But we'll, we'll always be on edges. You know, we'll never play, play head up. You know, and that's, that's not my philosophy. That's our defensive coordinator philosophy. We see, we see eye-to-eye in that. You know, I think really playing on edges allows you to use your athleticism. That's something that we really have here at McNeese. I mean, we, we have some really athletic dudes up front. Well, so you mentioned your your defense coordinator was a longtime Baylor guy. Does that mean that y'all are, y'all are doing Phil Bennett stuff? Is that four two five? Is that what y'all what y'all are doing over there, at McNeese? You know, that's probably where our base stuff is. You know, Coach Coach Gush has been has been away from Coach Bennett the last couple of years. He's the head coach over at Navarro Junior College. Okay, and you know he's really kind of developed his defense a lot a lot more the last couple of years, um, ever since he's left. But it's 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 a lot of the same. You know, we're we're gonna play as up front. We're gonna play on edges, and we're we're gonna we're gonna either get up the field and throw our gap, and and again backfield, or we're gonna we're gonna move one gap to the right, one gap to the left, two gaps to the right, two gaps to the left. We're gonna we're not just gonna stay still. You right. Know? We're gonna do a lot of movement. We're gonna use our athleticism that we have up front. I know you've only been there for uh, for a semester now, but as you get there with those guys, you've had a chance to work with them for a few months now, and you've gone through spring ball. Talk to me about some things that that uh, you feel like as a defensive unit, your guys are good at. You know, up front, something. You know, what we talk about, we talk about the D-line creed all the time, and that's that's being fundamentally sound, assignment correct, and tough. And that's something that we drive home with our guys all the time. And you know, getting here, you know. First spring, you know, we're going against an up-tempo offense. You know, you could you could probably imagine how chaotic it was at times. But and I just had to kind of, kind of keep reminding those kids, you know, there's three there's really three phases of learning, and this is what I kind of hit home to them all the time. And those three phases there's there's the thinking phase, the habit phase, and the in- instinct phase. So kind of kind of from being able to get to that habit to the no, I'm sorry, from the thinking to the habit phase to the instinct phase is what we were trying to get done this, this spring. Um, something that I thought our guys, you know, really did a great job at technique-wise, you know, I thought they really created a lot of knockback at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do. We're going we're gonna to get off the rock, and we're going to create that knockback at the line of scrimmage. And able to do that, Coach, it all starts to with your stance. And I, I believe that a D-line stance – is one of the most undercoached things there is. And and that's where everything begins. Okay. I mean, when we talk about a stance, we're the most important part of our stance is we're gonna load up our drive leg. What I mean by that, so if I'm in a right right hand stance, my left leg, that's my tire. Mm-hmm. And my entire my entire thought process is I'm gonna snap off that thing. Just like I'm a just like I'm a track, right? I'm a sprinter in track coming out of the blocks and I'm snapping out of the blocks. Same thing. I'm going to snap out of that stance. And I'm going I'm to have power angles in my ankles, my knees, my hips, my elbows to be able to generate that force from the ground to the man through my hands. All right. And that's that's kind of 
where it all starts, you know. And then when we talk about when we talk about creating knockback and playing the run, we talk about snap, strike, stab, squeeze. Okay, snap, strike, stab, squeeze. I like to keep it simple for the guys. Okay, when we talk about snap, that's what I just said. Like, that's that's your snap out of your stance. You're generating that force from that ground out of your stance. And then we're gonna strike the nearest via the neck. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hit with that inside hand on the near breastplate, outside hand near shoulder pad. Okay, and I got I tell the guys all the time, your strike's not gonna be perfect. And that's not the most important part. The most important part of creating knockback is snapping out of your stance. So as long as you snap out of your stance and your, your hands aren't perfect, that's okay. I don't want you to be thinking about hand placement in your stance, you know? Right. And from there, we, we get to the stab, the stab, the stab part. Okay, the stab. When we talk about stab, I'm going from two to one. Okay, I'm going to go from two hands from that strike phase to one. And when we get to that one hand, I want to get to that inside press. Obviously, we're talking about base blocks right now, Coach, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I want to get to that inside breastplate because, to me, when I get to that in, inside breastplate, that takes away that old lineman's power, right? I mean, right. When he's trying to drive block me, I'm able to open up his inside arm. He can't bring that hip through to drive me out of there. It kind of gives him a dead leg on that inside. And then, and then um, you know, it also has a complete gap and a half, which we're going to do. I'm just going to hold our gaps and let the linebackers make all the plays. We're going to play gap and a half football up front. And then the last part, like I said, is, is the squeeze. Okay, when we're, when we're squeezing, once I'm able to stab and take away that old lineman's power, now I'm going to squeeze that block down. Okay, because if I if I do if I'm a three technique and I'm and I'm attacking that guard, and I got a great snap, great strike, and I'm stabbing him, and I got that inside breastplate, and he and that guard's got no power. If I do such a great job, like I tell my guys all the time, and I squeeze that inside a gap down so much, that running back's got no no chance, no no else to go to come to me. Right, so it makes your life a lot easier if you get to that. Right. And, I mean, like, like I said, we're talking about base blocks, and like I tell my guys all the time, I mean, if if you get a base block, I mean, about 90% of the, 90% of the time, the ball's coming to you. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's so that's something, you know, you know, we really did a great job this spring was just getting that knockback. And right. it took a while. You know, it's different technique for our guys. They didn't do this before. So, it took a, it took a, it took a long time for them to kind of grasp those things. So, it really made me a better coach just coming here and, and being able to just kind of simplify it a lot for them. Right. Let's go back to that knockback and talking about that and coming out of that stance, driving off that front leg. Uh, talk to me about your, your, their first step. Uh, what do you tell them as far as that goes? And as far as what their hands are doing with that first step, talk about that, break that down a little bit for us. So I'm, I'm, I'm stepping straight ahead. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm replacing, I'm replacing my down hand and I'm shooting my hands to that to that near via the neck, which is also my key. So I'm I'm snapping out. I'm in a right hand stance. I'm loading up that left leg, and I am snapping out, and I'm just replacing my down hand with my back foot. Okay. Yeah. And and like I said, and I, and I and that is what we do all the time, unless my key goes down. So if I'm a five technique and that tackle gives me that that down block, or I'm a three technique and that and my guard scoops the a gap or gives me a combo look. And that's when we take an in-flight adjustment step there. Yeah. So now yep. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna step with him now. Yep. Just to just to, just to gain that ground back. Right. 
what drills do you use to help with that that snap coming out of your stance? You know, I know you're talking about bringing your hips and 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 you know the, the that power coming out of that stance. What are some drills that you use to work on that to reinforce that skill? You know, the first thing we do the, is we just get them get them lined up in the three point stance. We put an agile leg right across from them, so they have got to snap and lift that drive leg up. So that, that's number one. We we we, we take that. And we go in to shoot with it. And then really the, the drill we do the most is as we're ready to shoot and we got that agile bag, we had a we had a pop-up now that we have got a snap and strike. Okay. And that's that's probably a drill we do all the time. We're we're, in, we're we have two guys ready to shoot. Okay, right hand stance, I got that agile bag right across the right across my drive foot. So now I got a snap, step over the agile bag strike the pop-ups as I'm snapping. Uh-huh. And as I'm going over the pop-ups, this is something I learned from the D-line coach up at Yale University, uh, Coach Stevens. I love it. It's freaking, as I'm going over that pop-up, I'm going to give that pop-up three hard slaps. I'm not just going to pop it and stand straight up because now that allows me to punch and continue to have a flat back through contact. And then from there, we always finish that with a screen retrace. Okay. And then also, I mean, from there, you know, when we, we, we work the strike drill a lot, you know, six point punch, uh, three point explosion. Uh-huh. And then we hit this, we hit sleds a lot, right. which allows you to get all that together. Right. So back up real quick. I want to make sure I, I hear this correctly. So with the, uh, the drill you're talking about with the agile bag, uh, in front of those guys, is that, is that bag horizontal? in front of them so they're stepping over that bag with both feet with their drive leg and their back step or is it just just to where they're stepping over it with their drive leg no yeah it's it's going to be both okay we're going to step okay. over it with both okay okay yes, sir so that, that really enforces that snap yes driving I that got, knee I up i have to snap out of my stance to be able to drive over that right right and then again i, I just want to make sure for those of us listening that we can kind of visualize this you know, but since we don't have tape or anything to look at. So when I'm coming out uh, underneath the chute and you have a pop-up, explain the three slaps again. So say, say I punch, right? Just uh-huh. like I'm striking. Yeah. As that pop-up's going down to the ground, you know, some, some, some D-lining just kind of pop up and just kind of finish, right? Yes, I got you. Like they, they strike it and they just pop up. They just, they're done with the drill. I got you. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to strain a little bit more to stay in that bent knee position. Okay. So as I, as I come out underneath that chute and I punch, I strike that pop up, and now I'm going to go three hard. So say it's a right hand, left hand, right hand. Okay. Okay. It just makes you stay more. Right. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. All right. I got it. And then we don't once as we get going, we kind of take the agile bag away. That's kind of that more of that like initial like yes. really focus on it. Yeah. Coach. And then once we will take that away, we'll just add boards too. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to, to, to put there to make them think about, again, getting that snap. And, and you know, we talk about, you know, driving that knee up and get it back down uh, as fast as you can. And, and, and having that bag there is just one of those little details uh, that can reinforce that skill that you're trying to get those guys to, um, to, to, to learn. So from there, uh, let's talk about escapes and how you're getting off blocks. Uh, yes, talk sir. about that, how yeah, you're coaching it. that up. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's really looking at from last year when I was at Yale to now this last spring. That's something I really wanted to improve as a coach, to tell you the truth. That's the number one thing. 
I had to improve on was not just praying that knockback for my guys, but how to get off those blocks now. You know, Coach Ghost, our defense coordinator here, you know, he he, he gives the front guys the freedom to get off blocks. So we're not just going to eat blocks. We're going to get off blocks. We're going to make a lot of plays. You know, the first thing that we do, we I start on the I start on the pop ups, and we we go we just go two two point fit. Okay, I'm grabbing the handles of the pop ups. You know, the first whistle, I'm going to lock out and get hot feet. That second whistle, I'm going to throw. Okay, and I'm going to tight over. All right, so we always tight over. Okay, and the reason for that is is because we're always going to throw. We're always, we're always to tell my guys, we're going to put that old lineman in our back pocket, down and away. Yeah, I like that. If I'm going to, if I'm going to take him down and away, I don't want to go with a quick tight over over the top. I don't want to rip back into him. Yeah. So every, everything we do is down and away over the top. I like yes, the sir. tight. I like the tight over uh, as as opposed to saying like like swim. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, coach. Uh, but yeah, you know, we say we say punch for the same reason because when you say swim, they, then they get guys window washing and they're bringing their you know their their hand way over the the offensive lineman's helmet and exposing the rib cage and bringing their pad level up. Oh so, yeah, not um, just that, but it gets them it gets them straight legged too. Exactly, high. exactly. Your pads up high, and it kind of coach the other thing that we kind of bring it back a little bit, but you know we talk we we talk about all this knockback, right? Knockback, 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 knockback. Sometimes, I mean, an old lineman doesn't always give me the ability to knock back. Yeah. You know, if, he, if he's so hard off his block and he, he's coming so aggressively into me, you know, I might not be able to create knockback. Right. Okay. So from there, we just lay. Okay. Okay. And then you can't, I tell my guys all the time, you can't, you can't tweet plan the old lay. Okay. And it's something we work all the time. You still got to take everything else to send. But once I can't get that extension, I can't get that strike. And that snap, because he's so aggressively into me, because his weight's going so forward, hmm. I'm going to just grab his back and now tight over. Wow. So if I'm if I'm in a right-hand stance, my three technique in that right-hand stance against that guard, and I'm snapping into him striking, okay, that near V of the neck, near near shoulder plate, near shoulder pad, and he's so aggressive into me, I cannot get that extension, I'm going to grab that back of his shoulder pad. I'm going to pull him through and tight over. You can get to that, that 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 sweet spot we call it, that back of the shoulder pad on old lineman, you'll win almost every single time. Yeah, well, and and I I've never heard it you know referred to it as that before, and and so just to be sure to make sure we we got this clarified, you're not saying that we're just completely avoiding the block altogether, but that I'm engaging, no, and once I feel that I'm not getting extension, that's when I'm I'm just instead of giving ground and, and fighting a losing battle, I'm I'm taking that guy's aggressiveness and using it against him. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, sir. Because something – I mean, this isn't something that we really talk about right away. Obviously, it's something kind of – a tool we give our guys later on. Yeah. But it's something that – you know, we, we had a D lineman here of the kid, but every single time he comes out of his stance, baseball, he's going to swim it, right? He knows every single time. He was going to swim from the very beginning by the time we got here. And what that what that does if you if you're gonna swim out of your stance with a base block, and I'm not gonna step with the and snap into the guy, I'm just gonna open myself up. I'm gonna open up that inside lane too much. Right. Okay. Because right. yeah. you you still have got to snap into him and yeah. feel his pressure. Because everything with O line D line is all about pressure. Right. Right. Like everything. Right. Like if he if he's if I feel that pressure so much into me that I can't get that extension. 
I'm going to use it against him. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's almost like if I'm pushing up against something really heavy and then all of a sudden it gives way, I'm going to fall forward. That's kind of the same thing with that offensive lineman. I mean, he's, he comes off against that defensive lineman who's stalemating him. All of a sudden then he, he drops or he uh, does his, to use your language, his tight over, he's going straight into the ground. And I got to believe that that's a beneficial move for guys who are undersized, you know, who can't, who can't, who can't hang in there with those, with those offensive linemen just who are going to eventually get rooted out. So that, that allows them to be, you know, the language I guess we use sometimes with our guys is be slippery, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I like it. You're yeah, like a wet bar of soap, baby. I mean, I like you, you, you feel you that go. and then bam, <laughs> I'm gone and uh, I'm buying myself back. And, and, and that's when you get guys doing that, they're like, oh, so I don't have to just, just get smashed, you know, play in, play out, especially when you're playing these teams, you know, uh, not that not as prevalent on your level, but, you know, these uh, wing T or triple option type teams where those guys are, are coming off low and hard and, and trying to root you out of there. So I like it. That's a, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. I'm, I'm going to steal that. I'll, I'll, I'll probably hey, give, I'll probably give you credit. Come on, it, Coach, kind of come on over and check some out sometime. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I guess it's only, it's only, it's only, you can't, you can see it in their first step. You can see when they're pre pre-planning it. Yeah. You can't, you can't allow them to pre-plan because yeah. that's yeah. just going to open up that inside gap to the right back and you're screwed. So it's, right. it's got to be – it's a reaction. Everything up front's a reaction. Right. Well, it's like a counter move in pass rush. You know, you can't plan to do a counter move. you got to take what that offensive lineman gives you. Yep. You know, because if you exactly. plan to counter and you counter and then he didn't give you – he didn't bite on your initial rush, then then you, you screwed yourself up. So it's the same concept. You know, it's there and it's a feel thing. And it's probably like, – like you said, you mentioned it's it's one of those things that's important not to start off teaching that. Because then once once that toothpaste is out of the tube, you're never getting that back. I mean, they're they're then they're going to start doing that all the time. But once they learn to to stalemate and like you said, get the get the knockback. Now you can say, okay, let me show you something else now that's really that you're really going to like. Uh, and here's a way of getting off that block uh, even faster. So I like it. Yep, I like and it. And like you know, you, like you kind of said there, coach. You know, good good move for like smaller guys. You know, to me, to me, I think small guys. Are great at being able to get knocked back. Yeah, because if they're if they are truly are snapping off the ball, and they're and they're striking. And once, I mean, coach, once they get to that stab and open up that inside shoulder, you you see alignment all the time. I mean, if you're able to get to that inside breastplate, you can't bring that hip through. You'll see them all the time, like start to get high, and just have no power in their base. Right. So I think I mean we have like I said we have smaller D linemen. We have we've had guys that are able to have that success of being able to get to that stab and be able to squeeze that gap down. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean I think I think I think it all it all works together. Like I said, you always have to give your guys the tools. Right. So our, our base way of playing the our number one way of playing the base block is the snap strike stab squeeze. But if he takes that away because he's so aggressive, I'm gonna all lay it. Right. Right. Well, okay, so let's let's even let's so let's back it up off of that because I should ask you this first. But something that that is key for for all D linemen to be able to do is to identify the type of block they're getting. So, how do you how do, how are you guys doing that? Or where are their eyes pre snap? How are they? How are you coaching them up to to discern or determine the type of blocks they're getting? Okay, well, the first thing, coach, we talk about is backfield set. So, number one thing, they, all, they always got no pre snap. 
What's the backfield set? Right. What I mean by that is, what what are the guys inside the tackle box? We don't care about the wideouts. Right. What are the guys doing inside the tackle box? If if it's a five-man block in front, so there's no tight end, there's a running back, and he's away from me, good chances are I'm getting a base block. Right. And and, in that case, I'm going to widen my alignment just a little bit. Okay? And when when our base alignments, we don't get real wide. I mean, I I want to make contact right now. I don't want to create too much space. Right. So if that running back's away from me, I'm probably going to get a base block. Yeah. Okay? But that's number one. And then our eyes are always on that that near view of the neck, because mm-hmm. because a lot of, you see a lot of old linemen these days they like to do that. Oh, I don't know if you guys have been seeing that coach. But they like to step to that inside gap and open up. Yeah, it's just that a lot of them are trying to do it to take away that inside movements. Right against you. Yeah, but that that near view of the neck doesn't lie. It's always going to be pointing at right. you. Right, exactly. So if he steps down, that near view of the neck is still there. Right. But if, he, if he's stepping down to, say, he, say he's the tackle and he's scooping that three technique, that near view of the neck's going to be gone. Right, right. So that's why we, we like to do the near view of the neck, you know. And that's something you I've learned you have got to make sure your guys are looking at. Because I've, 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 I've seen kids, and you pause the film, you might not notice it the first time, but you pause the film, it's like, holy shit, he's looking at feet. Right. Or he, he's looking at the ground or something. Right. And, it's all, and, and to me, that all starts in their stance. Get them in a good stance. Get their eyes at the V of the neck because that, that's that's everything, you know. The, and, and you got guys looking at the some guys, sometimes guys look at the ball, you know. In passing downs, we're going to look at the legs. Yeah, yeah. That's where we're going to change it. We're never going to look at ball because to me, if I if I'm looking at the ball, if I'm if I'm a DM looking down line at a ball, and I see that ball snap, I got to transition my eyes to the tackle. You know, that's a split second that might I could I could have recognized he was doing something. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I think uh, we've talked about it on this podcast before. In fact, we had one episode uh, where I had a coach just talk mainly his what he talked about was eye discipline and how he coaches that with his kids. And that's such an underrated. You know, he talked about stance being an underrated coaching uh, aspect of defensive line, and I agree. And I and probably second to that or next to that would be eyes because, you know, when you there are so many issues that, you, that 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 crop up with defensive linemen, especially young defensive linemen, that can be traced back or attributed to eye violations. You know, their eyes are in the backfield. Or they're, they're trying to see too much. You know, they're not looking at the offensive linemen in front of them. They're looking, like you said, at the ball or, or a quarterback or whatever. And and that is, um, you know, that's that's no good, obviously. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. Coach Baybridge's fair hands is always you see a little, you see a lot. Yep. You see a lot, you see a little. That's right. You know, and, that, and right. especially, especially up front. I know, I know every coach will probably say that about their position, especially DV play. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything happens so quick there. Right. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta have your eyes right. And that's honestly, that, that was probably one of the biggest things, you know, teaching these guys once I got here and just getting those eyes right and looking at all the right things just to, cause you can't waste movement. That's, that's one of our coach Gush's our deepest corner's biggest things, you know, never waste movement, you know, especially defensive play, you know, and games of uh, the football is a game of inches. You know, you never, never want to waste movement in your, in your stances, in your eyes, any of that. Right. So that's something we, we, we stress a lot with our guys. In your experience coaching defense and the last few stops you've made, and even as you started now working at McNeese and watching film, uh, what are some challenges that you're, challenges that you're seeing from offenses that you face 
that directly affects your defensive line or front seven? You know, some trends or things that you're seeing today that that you feel like defenses have to have an answer for. You know, Carl, I think the first thing is tempo, obviously. I mean, just as far as being a defensive line, because once you're a tired defensive line, that's when you start getting those eye violations. You start getting the sloppy yeah, oh, yeah. stances yeah. and all that. So, obviously, tempo is number one. Um, you know, to me, I don't I don't think RPO really affects us too much up front. You know, I know I know that I know RPO is a big thing. Right. You know, to me, to me, RPO. I mean, what's my key doing? Right. Exactly. You know? Right. And then, and then if I if I feel like I'm I got such good separation on this base block, and I get my eyes up, and I feel like he's about to throw the ball, and I can get my hand on it, then that then that's 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 one thing. But right, I feel like RPO doesn't really affect us up front too much. Yeah, we we let that um, little linebacker worry about that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's why they get paid the. They actually don't get they don't get paid the big bucks yeah, anymore, that's, right? That's, that's no, the DMs. That's right. Get paid that's the big right. Bucks that's now, right. So shoot. Uh, but, uh, you know, along with Temple, you know, I think I think Quick Game and Max Pro are big now. Uh huh. You see a lot of a lot of Max Pro and a lot of Quick Game, especially with those teams that run Temple. So, just a way to just a way, especially when an, an offense feels like you know they don't have that advantage up front. Right. You know, so a lot of it is just getting hands on balls. Right. You know, that's something that's something that we we, we stress a lot this this spring. You know, be able to affect the quarterback. You know, disrupt the decision maker. Not right. just them. Right. But be able to get get hands on balls. Right. Let's let's talk about those two things you mentioned there at the end: max protection and quick game. How in the world can we have our, still be effective with our defensive linemen when they're do, using a lot of quick game or when they're max protecting? What are some things that we can do to still, like you said, affect the quarterback? Yeah, so coach, something we do is, you know, we, we, we work against slide a lot. So if I if I feel like say I'm I'm a two eye and that guard's coming down on me hard as a pass set, I'm gonna pop that to the tackle. Okay. Obviously. I'm I'm gonna work against that slide. Um my DN's gonna work out to contain. We're gonna add linebackers on quickly, you know, if we're in that right coverage to be able to add those extra guys into protection or to beat that protection. Um, and then, I mean, and then, and then the opposite way of that is kind of to drop more guys than they have. Cause they're, 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 why are they throwing, why are they max protecting? They're not doing it for quick game. They're doing it to take shots. Right. So if you're able to drop guys back versus those wide receivers versus max protection then make the quarterback hold on to that ball a little bit longer. But I mean, I mean, max pro, I mean, I, I mean, to me, it's it's all about defeat and slide. So if I if because because offensive linemen they make mistakes too, right? Right. And and if I'm a three technique and I get overset by the guard, I'm gonna be become that a gap rusher. I'm gonna rush that a gap, and hopefully that center was too worried about that two wide to give me a little bit of room to crease it. So a lot of it, a lot of it's what you do with those inside guys. Let's let's talk about those inside guys and and move into a little bit of pass rush. <laughs> You know, if you go to a clinic or you, or you see stuff online, most of the pass rush stuff is really geared around defensive ends or outside linebackers. You know, you got guys lined up, you know, like in 11s or something. I mean, they're, you know, they're they're 12 yards outside of the tackle, towed in and just speed rushing. I'm obviously exaggerating a little bit, but uh, it's nice. And it's a little, it's easier coaching those DNs up on pass rush because they got all the space in the world to work with. But with those oh, yeah. in, in interior guys, they're they're rushing in a phone booth, especially those 
those, you know, your two eyes or your, your, your nose shades, whatever. So talk about that and how those guys, how you coach those guys up to be effective pass rushers uh, with the limited space that they have. Okay, Coach. So the first thing that we, we talk about those with those D tackles is we want to have a one A-gap rusher, okay? So say, say we're four down front and say we got the end, a tackle to the left, a three technique to the left, a two-eye, and an end to the right. Okay, say say that center, okay, that old line slides it to that three technique. Mm-hmm. That three technique, he's gonna feel that overset. Once we feel that overset, I'm gonna counter into that a gap. Right. He's most likely I'm gonna become that a gap rusher. Right. Okay. And what that did, that created some space for me. Okay. Instead of continuing to get with with that guard and allowing him to just continue to hold that B gap. I'm going to put them, I'm going to make them make a decision. Okay. And something with study that, that I think is big is seeing how that center protects slide protection. Okay. Is he a center that likes to give hand help to a two eye? Because if he does that, that creates a lot of space for that three technique. Yes. In yeah. To be yeah. able to counter and get right. vertical. You got to get vertical initially. But now initially, once I get vertical as an A-gap rusher, I'm that three technique. I count that A-gap. I'm going to get vertical, but that center's on me. I got to turn into a bull rush. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. that adds that other layer of rush for me. It's sometimes with, with those two inside guys, it's on them to sort of use the offensive scheme against them and create that space, whether it be with a counter step going back inside on A gap or going from the A gap to B gap. You have to really create that space, right? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Another way you can do that, coach, is talk about that a slide to that two eye. Okay, if if, that, if they're sliding to the two eye, okay, and that two eye, what I tell that two eye is, you want to work for width into that guard, right? Okay, to create that space. Yeah, I'm working for width into the guard. Okay, two things like I said just create space for your coach, but also, okay, that center could be thinking that he's done, he's going away, right? Right. So what that center might look back, he might yeah. it made that play and look back, yeah, thinking that something's coming to me. And now once I create that space, now I counter it back into that A-gap, Yeah, he could be gone. Right. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. So, again, that, that a lot of that comes from, from film study and, and coaching those guys up on that stuff, you know, especially when you're seeing that slide protection, knowing how they're going to slide and using that uh, against them and, and, and those kind of that subtle uh, patience of, of letting that center sort of fall off before you go back into that A-gap is all – that's all great stuff. And, and kind of like what you talked about when the three techs go into the A-gap and he's, he bull rushes that center, you know, a lot of times with those inside guys, uh, you know, it's it's really just about collapsing that pocket. You know, those guys aren't going to get a bunch of sacks. Is, is that is that right? Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it depends, Coach. I mean, yeah, you're, like you said earlier, with those DNs, those, those guys that have the space and the advantage to make the sacks, right? Yeah. Um. But that's not to say the inside guys can't. I mean, I'll, right. I'll put some. I'll put my my DNs in that three technique. Oh yeah, and yeah. Let, let them rush. Right. And just, I mean, it goes back to I mean, why does it? Why does? I say this to my guys all the time. But why does? Why do the old linemen play old line, not D line? Because they're unathletic, right? Right. Why do they play guard and not tackle? Because they're even more unathletic. <laughs> right. So <laughs> now there's some guards out there that just got their feelings hurt. Well, you guys just just toughen up. You you knew you know it's true. So just. <laughs> Just so you're right. I'm You're sorry, right. guys. Yeah. I'm sorry. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, uh, I like to give, I like to give a little arm and a heart. No, besides D-line, that's my second turn. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a great point too of talking about or bringing those defensive ends in there, uh, in, in on the inside to to allow them to rush because you know that you want to talk about a, a mismatch athletically. Now you have a guy who's a lot quicker than what those guys are used to seeing, and that can really create some 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 issues for those interior offensive linemen, especially. Uh, and, and a lot of that comes with film study. You see those guys are, you know, maybe maybe a guard dips his head or leans a little bit uh, on pass rush, and, and that opens up the, uh, the door for, for those defensive ends, those quicker guys to get in there and get some pressure. I know we have our, our defensive ends a lot of times in pass rushing situations. They're asking, hey, can we, can we get can – we, can I rush from a three-tech uh, from, from a defensive tackle <laughs> spot? Because also that's a shorter distance to that quarterback is, is from that position. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, Coach, as we wrap up, talk about some things that you've done this offseason uh, or that you're going to do this summer to help improve yourself as a coach. Coach, you know, the number one thing is continue to get to know my players. You know, I've only been here for five months now, five, six months. So continue to create those relationships with them and not just them with the staff. Um, we, we, I'm lucky because a, a lot of this staff are guys that I've been with, guys I hate with, you know, it's kind of been through a lot with. So – just continue to build those relationships, continue to get our players to get from the thinking phase to the habit phase. You know, NCAA really limits us with what we can do with our guys, but continue to work those techniques with them, continue to work the schemes with them so they have a better understanding. And then for me, you know, like we talked a little bit about Yale, a little bit about Yale and something that when I was at Yale, something that was really was great there was it really gave me as a coach some great opportunities. And one of them was last year, we were able to go and visit with uh, General uh, Stanley McChrystal. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's big within leadership. And we spent, we spent a couple of days there learning about how to be a leader and how to, how to, how to really lead this, this current generation. So something I want to do is go back, you know, and really kind of look again at all that stuff and clean a lot of that type of stuff up for me. Wow. Coach, what a great opportunity uh, to be able to go in here about leadership from someone like that with that sort of background. Well, well, Coach, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Great stuff today. Uh, This hour just flew by. And and want to uh, wish you and the rest of the McNeese State staff the best of luck this this next season. Know that you guys got big things planned over there in Lake Charles. Thank you, Coach, man. Best of luck to you, not just this season, but the podcast. If there's anything you need from us down here, you know, our doors are always welcomed. And I'm, fire, I'm fired up to see kind of where this podcast goes. Well, well Coach, so, it's like I said, being, being a fan of D-Lineman, man, it's, it's exciting. Well, it's, it's with guys like, like you that are willing to come on that, that make it make this thing work. So thank you so much, and uh, I really appreciate it. You got it, Coach. Thank you for your time. Thanks once again to Coach Olson for coming on and talking to us today. Make sure you follow Coach Olson on Twitter at MSU underscore Coach Olson. Our quote today is one of Coach Olson's favorite quotes to use with his own guys, and that is, get better or get beaten. Coaches, y'all get better this week. I know I'm going to get better at my golf game, get my suntan a little bit better. And hey, until next week, keep your pads down.